Today we start working through the Star Wars movies, starting with the original film that introduced us to Luke, Leia, Han and countless other memorable characters. We'll discuss our first experiences with the film, how these feelings have changed over time and where it stands now after so many sequels and spin-offs. Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and I am joined as always by Tara. Greetings citizens. This is a science fiction movie podcast. We get together every week. We talk about sci-fi movies really quite that simple. On today's show, we are tackling a big movie that we've not gotten to yet. We're starting a franchise, arguably the biggest franchise that exists, and that is Star Wars. Because it won the Patreon vote for the month. Every month our patrons get to vote uh, in the voting tier over at patreon.com slash TV. Uh, Star Wars went up against Mad Max and Robocop, and Star Wars came out on top. So today we start the Star Wars franchise, which is at, like, what, 10, 9, 11 movies, something like that? <laughs> two spin- there's two standalones and three trilogies, so yeah, 11. 11. Yeah. So we are going to be discussing the original film, Star Wars, which was later retitled to Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. And we're also joined today by Lucutus of Porg. Yes. See, the Star Wars fans are upset. You've just slipped in a Star Trek reference now. <laughs> it's such a great name. That's, they're just upset now. Uh, so, I mean, obviously... you, friends. Obviously, <laughs> like, we'll start spoiler-free as we always do. I mean, with Star Wars, I suspect that everyone imaginable who is watching or listening to this podcast has seen Star Wars. Um, but we will stick to the format regardless uh, for tradition, if nothing else. Uh, and at the very least, it lets us focus on some ide- like some broad ideas before we go into plot details and everything else. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I guess, you know, I've been a little vocal against Star Wars as, a, as an IP I've just I've just never been a big Star Wars guy, uh, for the the, the, the the in terms of the grand franchise of it, the original trilogy, which we're talking about the first film today, yeah, pretty good, and we'll talk about why it's pretty good uh, throughout the course of this review. Uh, but I've never been someone who wanted more movies after that, or tie-ins, or books, or comics, or anything. I'd say I'm like a medium fan <laughs> of Star Wars. That was a good time to interject that. Yeah, it's good. It's good. <laughs> I'm a cynical non-Star Wars fan who would rather Aliens or Star Trek or, well, I mean, most most other sci-fi, big sci-fi properties. Yeah, I would still put Star Trek over Star Wars, of course. If you ask me if I could choose just one, I mean, the answer is obvious to me. It's a much bigger world to me that makes more sense than Star Wars. Hmm. But, I, I mean, Star Wars is pretty pretty masterful the the original trilogy is pretty hard to beat as far as trilogies go and i think that uh yeah i i as much as i am like a fan who owns porgs and stuff i still would say that my fandom uh, i get excited for a new movie i don't get excited for the tv shows i actually find them to be kind of bad i haven't watched andor and i've heard good things about that but uh, I might check it out. I haven't really been interested in any of the animated shows or the um, Disney Plus shows that have come out otherwise. 
Uh, I've given some of them a chance, but they just they just don't grab me. They're not very good, in my opinion. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, but obviously, the greater franchise is almost irrelevant today because we're talking about the movie that when it came out, that that's all it was. It was just mm-hmm. the, the movie. It was just. I mean, obviously, there was Lucas had plans for more. There was clearly more story to tell. You know, Darth Vader's still around at the end of the movie. It's not like oh, everything was fixed and we move on. You know, the battles won, but the war is still far from over. Uh, but you know, simpler times when it was, it was just Star Wars uh, is kind of what we're looking at today. Uh, obviously, we'll probably go into a little bit of discussion later about, you know, theatrical cuts versus, you know, special editions and all the tinkering that's been on over the years and mm-hmm. all the rest of it. But, um, yeah, so I, I guess I should do a basic plot for Star Wars. <laughs> Two androids get uh, a plea for help from a princess named Leia uh, looking for someone named Obi-Wan Kenobi. And when they... Just ham to stumble across a young man named Luke Skywalker. They end up teaming up with him because he thinks it may be Ben Kenobi that he knows. And uh, they end up going on an adventure. They meet Han Solo. They get to the Death Star, which is a big space station, and try to rescue a princess. Uh, it's very Super Mario Brothers, actually. Now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> without without the mushrooms. No, no. Unless jumping. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of jumping, but there's not not, not a lot, not not lot, not a lot of it. Uh, but there is going down shoots into uh, garbage areas. <laughs> there's a little bit of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's Star Wars. Like, I mean, it's, it feels weird to ask the question, but Tara, what do you think about the original Star Wars? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> It's still so great to watch, you know. I I feel like I've seen this movie maybe a thousand times. But medium fan, though. I'm just a medium fan. Um, I I think the I think everything about the the movie just it just works. Like it was just you know it was just so lucky that it came out such like a masterpiece in my mind. It and it definitely changed. Obviously, it changed science fiction forever. And um. And also just the way people look at sci-fi, I think, because I think sci-fi was kind of going down the road of being similar to what people think of fantasy. And although this is a very fantastical version of science fiction, it's still like uh, was going down this road of like cheesiness and like it's hard to take seriously. But Star Wars just is such a cool world. You know, that's the most important thing about this imaginary place is that you can actually visualize it and it looks real it feels real and you want to live there you know yeah it's 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 kind of a weird thing to analyze because it is in terms of this, the world and the story are, are do actually have a lot of fantasy tropes in them which mm-hmm. is probably why it doesn't appeal to me as much as other science fiction um if nothing else it certainly led to studios wanting to make science fiction which led to a lot of other science fiction that i like a lot so you know, at least in that terms, like, yeah, I'm glad it exists. I'm glad it led to all these studios wanting to rush to make things. You wouldn't have a Star Trek movie if it wasn't for Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you wouldn't have Alien. You wouldn't have, I don't know, probably Blade Runner. I, I, you know, like, <laughs> like you know, a bunch of stuff. It also kind of, I mean, it's not the first blockbuster. Jaws is typically credited as being the first summer blockbuster uh, as far as movies goes. Is it the same year? No, two years prior. Okay. That was 75. Uh, but this came out in 77. 
Um, and it very much was kind of, you know, and obviously n neither of us were there at the time, but um, from my understanding from documentaries and, you know, things like that, the, the hype around Star Wars and kind of this, like, it became this pop culture thing in, in a way that nothing had done so up until that point and kind of molded what studios have been changing in terms of success when it comes to big budget movies pretty much ever since. Some things have changed and, you know, because met you know distribution methods have changed and, and and whatnot, but Star Wars, in many ways, was the thing that like okay, you have merchandise, you have toys with Happy Meals, you have you know all these things lined up to tr make it a boatload of money, um, not just from the movie, although you are making a boatload of money from the movie as well. So, uh, Star Wars kind of represents the start of that, and obviously there is like a, a cynical side to that where you could sort of say, yeah. That's not necessarily all a good thing <laughs> when you look at some, you know, some of the attempts from studios to, you know, make their own franchises. It even, in recent years, the, the one that I'll bring up is, uh, you know, everyone's doing shared universes, so Universal goes, we're going to do the dark universe, which is going to be like the, the old Universal monsters, but like a modern twist on it. And then the mummy comes out and bombs and it's a laughing stock because, like, it never even it's terrible. got it's started. Terrible movie. Oh, it was garbage. Um, so, and likewise, you know, back, like... Yeah, we remember all the good things that came out after Star Wars because they're still around and they existed and they lasted, but there's a lot of things that happened probably in the first, say, five years after Star Wars that uh, have not been remembered because they came out and, like, disappeared into nothing because they were bad. And, you know, uh, which, you know, isn't... And Star Wars isn't to blame for that. You know, it's not his fault for being successful. You know, but that's just what happens when something is successful is that you get all these attempts to try and mimic its success in some way. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, cultural impact for sure. Do you remember the first time you saw it? Um, I yeah, vaguely. I I was I wasn't super young. I was I mean I was a kid, but like, it was probably around the time. I think it was just before Phantom Menace came out. I think I rented the first three, which at the time would have been on VHS. Yeah, you get the gold or the silver box for yeah. the full screen or widescreen. <laughs> uh. Yeah, so I I saw them for the first time about then. So I was still pretty young, but I'd certainly already latched on to a lot of other things as a kid that were my fandoms. So it kind of just came a little too late to be the thing that I kind of like clung to and was like, oh, I'm going to love this you know, undeniably <laughs> for all time kind of thing. Yeah. You know, uh, Ninja Turtles and Power Rangers had already <laughs> taken that crown. <laughs> and Batman, Batman as well. And Batman and Superman for sure but uh yeah i it's weird because I, I you know i was only like 10 but so i'm still pretty young but i feel like most people i talk to who love star wars like they talk about seeing it when they were like four or five <laughs> so i feel like i'm i'm late to star wars not seeing it until i was 10 well i mean george lucas was so like uh stingy with the with the product so like i don't remember how i saw it the first time i remember I do remember going to the movie theaters. I think they were for the special edition where they had, they re-released them into the movie theaters. I want to say around like 1997 was about the time. That sounds right. And um, my dad was very excited because he was, you know, a young man when, uh, when Star Wars came out um, and was super excited about it being going, going back to theaters and then bringing, you know, the kids to go see it. Um, and I remember when we got to Return of the Jedi that I had already seen, like I, I remember watching when I was very young, uh, the scene at Jabba's palace 
and I think it's a uh, I think it was because they would show it on TV, but it would be a very rare and special event when they did, so like everybody would watch them. Um, so I must have watched that at some point when I was very, very young, um, but didn't really get into it until the special editions came out. And then I was like, oh, these are great. I love them. And I was a good age. I was like 12 years old at that time. So <laughs> it was a good Star Wars age. And then the when the uh, prequels were coming out, um, I did get very excited for them. Uh, and I think I, my Star Wars hype started to, you know, come out around that time. And then it kind of just, I don't know, I got over it. <laughs> I got over it for a long time until the new trilogy was coming out and I got back into Star Wars then. I think the hype machine when Phantom Menace was coming out was so big that I think I was somewhat interested. And I saw that movie at the cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never saw the next two at the cinema. But by the time Clones came out, like I was already kind of like, eh, whatever, didn't really care. And then I saw that on, like I think, cable once, maybe like a year after it came out and I mean otherwise spoil what I think of that movie for later but I'll just say it's one of the worst big budget movies I've ever seen and then I eventually put on Revenge of the Sith you know a year or two after it came out just for the sake of completion just so that I'd done it and crossed it off the list Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah but I still like the original trilogy at that point it didn't put me off the original trilogy in any way it was just it was the sort of thing where like yeah okay this like second batch of movies came out and they were pretty terrible and you know, I, I was never interested in extended universe or anything like that. Um, so it's it's just um, it's never been my franchise. You know, it's never been my thing yeah, okay. that I've cared about. I definitely attached myself to Princess Leia a lot. Uh, watching mm. that, I I loved Carrie Fisher so much. <laughs> After I watched it the first time that I can remember watching all, the whole trilogy in theaters, um, I just I just loved her. And I wanted to be her so bad. I had like a magazine cover with her face on it and stuff. And I had on my my mirror and I would like put makeup on and try to match her and stuff when I was younger. (laughs) I just really wanted to be her so bad. Yeah, I um, because the funny thing is, is this first movie is my favorite of the original trilogy, which is mine too. And we're in the minority because most people will say Empire. Empire is lauded as this, you know, special film that's one of the best things of all time. Um, and maybe, maybe I'm just this. I'm constantly contrary when it comes to this because I also don't think Wrath of Khan is the best Star Trek movie, and everyone else says it is. This one is a simpler story than yeah. the sequel. The sequel is impressive because you know they were able to make a great sequel. I think I like this one the most because. To me, what I like about Star Wars is not the mythology, because the Force and all that shit I don't care about. Um, although, what's notable watching it again and paying attention to it is that in this first movie, I like how most of it's presented, because it is kind of mostly just this mystique of, oh, there's like all these things that are hinted at but not really shown. And it's part of the reasons why I don't like prequels, and not just specifically Star Wars prequels, but just prequels in general. I think you demystify a lot of things that are just cool to think about, but then as soon as you actually show... The Jedi Council. All of a sudden, it's this boring, like bureaucracy of bullshit. And it's like this is not. This is not what. I my... don't mind that stuff too much. In fact, in the in the prequels, is probably the best stuff in the prequel. I, I can't comment on that. I don't remember them well enough to give any specific opinions. But <laughs> the world building is like the most interesting part. But 
this first movie, what I like about it is that it's an adventure with likable characters who have great chemistry, you know, particularly the main three leads, but also, yeah. you know, the droids and, and you know, Chewie's like an interesting, like, you know, sidekick. Even, uh, ben Kenobi. Uh, yeah, even he's got like, some good chemistry with the others. And I think that's what I like about it. And part of the thing is, there's a few things that I like about Empire. Well, I'll talk about that more specifically when we're actually, you know, reviewing Empire. But, um, you know, it, it keeps the characters kind of split up. You know, looks kind of separate from everyone else for a lot of the movie. And it kind of took a little bit away of what I liked about the first movie from it. And um, it, to me, Star Wars is a fun adventure movie. Um, but I also like that... And I, I really felt this when I was watching it this time. This is something that really stuck out to me. As, as much as Star Wars as a whole is definitely more science fantasy, sometimes people say. That's what they'll call it. Um, I actually think, re-watching this first movie, is that this one feels more science fiction to me than a lot of the later entries. And mm -hmm. I think part of that might be just because it's made in the 70s, so all of the the you know the designs and stuff the, you know, the, the tactile buttons, it's not just all these green screens styles, you know, how they shot it and things like that it's miniatures there's a lot more tactile stuff in it and i think because of that it feels more like a sci-fi movie to me even though there is some talk of the force here or there it still feels a lot more grounded and, and real and all the rest of it um, which is something that i don't think um particularly the prequels but even to an extent some of the even newer ones ha have a bit of a you know just like a Ah, you know, okay, they're running in front of a green screen. That's, you know, whatever. <laughs> right? There's a little bit of that. Yeah. But, um, but, you know, this this first movie is it's the characters meeting each other the first time. It's just them, their banter, their, their wit. You know, Leia and, uh, and Han Solo, the, the way they kind of bounce off each other, their bickering uh, is very entertaining. Uh, you know the friendship that kind of forms between Luke and Han when they really don't have much in common is is kind of interesting and and entertaining yeah. to watch. It, there's just there's a lot of and I think that's one of the things that really makes it work is that all these characters have very different character, very different personalities and very different viewpoints, and they all want very different things um, in the movie. So when they all start clashing, it all feels like real people who are who have the real problems who are all starting to combine and, you know, new ideals will form out of that once they actually kind of settle with each other a little bit. Um, yeah, nobody gets annoying or anything like that. I mean, it seems like it would be high risk for Luke's character to get annoying, but he doesn't. Like, you still want to root for him. You still he, want him to, you know to win. It's a credit to Mark Hamill because I think Luke is borderline whiny early on in the film like I, I don't think he like i think he's fine because mark hamill just nails it like exactly yeah. where it should be but i could imagine like someone else playing that role and look coming across as whiny because he wants to leave the farm and go join the academy <laughs> like you know there's a little bit of a whiny quality to him uh and i think mark hamill's what stops it from going over that line which is yeah. which is nice um actually we talked about some of the changes in the special editions. I want to give my worst one actually watching it this time. Par partially because they've, they've, they've went back and readjusted them like multiple times now. They, they readjusted them for the DVD, they readjusted them for the Blu-ray, and I'm sure for the 4K release when they were going on Disney Plus and all that, I'm sure they touched them up again and did a couple of little nips and tucks. So obviously the famous one's the hand shot first, which now is more like the shoot at the same time. The, the, the more mm -hmm. modern version because the, the, what they used to do is like Han's head kind of moved to the side a little bit <laughs> it was like he dodged them uh, and it looked terrible um, I agree but 
there's actually a similar movement that's still there that I hate. So it's the scene that they added back in with, with Jabba, right? When he's talking to him outside the Millennium Falcon. The moment where Han steps on his tail, obviously when they shot this and it was just an actor who he was talking to, there was nothing for him to step over. So the way he kind of like bounces up is so artificial looking because he just kind of goes... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Almost like a Nintendo. Mario, this is Mario <laughs> jumping. It's good. <laughs> there you go. Um, so... Like that, that really stuck out to me because I, because I, I, I think it's such an unnecessary scene. Especially, you know, when we love this movie as a solo film without, you know, the rest of the trilogy, and you know, yeah, we don't need the Jabba scene in it at all. We get that, you know, Han's on the run from someone because he's kind of a, a scoundrel. yeah, he's a scoundrel. <laughs> I, and I think it, it hurts even more when you get to Jedi and you see the actual practical effect that they did it at the time. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's a good, good practical effect. Because that's the thing, all the CG they added into this movie was, you know, it's 1997 CG, so it does not look good now. It, you, know, yeah. it, you know, every time, so see when they're going into like a uh, Mos Eisley and they're, they're sort of flying in uh, on the hovercraft, yeah. like they, they've got all these extra random animals and stuff to put in and they all stick out like a sore thumb because they look like, oh, this, you know, because <laughs> in the Jabba scene, yeah, I feel like you know, it was a deleted scene for a reason, and maybe part of it is because Lucas decided he wanted this to be like more of an alien that he was going to design f- for later. But um, yeah, it's superfluous; it doesn't need to be there. Uh, this is a, a great example of uh, they were too preoccupied if they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. Well, I think you know, adding, I think it's okay to have both editions available, but they're they're not like. Why not just oh, for have sure, the original yeah. available without all the all the nips and tucks, you know? I, I, like, if George Lucas... I mean, obviously, he's not doing it anymore because he's, he's handed it off and all that now. But if he wanted to do a new cut of the movie every year, that's... Whatever. Go for it. But the problem <laughs> is is that they're not given his proper access to the original cuts, which is yeah. why everyone's upset. Like, Which everybody wants. Come on. Like, why doesn't it exist? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's because it's because they know that a good portion of the people watching would never watch the what they see as the proper versions anymore. The, like there's a good percentage of people who like Star Wars who would only ever watch the original cuts from that point on. So, <laughs> well, I, I agree, but that's not how they see it. They want you. They want you to watch the the fancy done up versions. For still, I mean, it's been so long. I mean, I don't know. I I don't know if George Lucas had a clause when he sold it off Lucasfilm. That's what my yeah. I, I think when, when he dies, it'll be like Prince music. All of a sudden, it's a lot of movies <laughs> <laughs> in honor of uh, the world I, mourning. We're giving you <laughs> the original. Yeah, cuts. I'm sure. I think Bob Iger's already leaving, but I just, I'm just imagining Bob Iger stepping out in front of his casket, his funeral, and going, "All right, everyone, special announcement." <laughs> Everybody would celebrate like it's the end of the fan menace yeah. around the world <laughs> there'd be parades fireworks confetti everywhere yeah honestly like now that the the hand shooting first thing i mean it's not back to what it originally was but now that it's less egregious um the jabba scenes the the change i don't like the most this movie isn't too bad though honestly the the, the change i hate the most is in jedi um there's a change at the, the end band. of jedi sorry oh, never mind i was gonna say is is it the band <laughs> No, it's not the band. It's uh, oh, well, it's, it's the Force Ghost. Like they changed the Force Ghost actor at the end, and I yeah, it's such a stupid choice. 
Um, it's you know it's all this retconning to make it seem like oh the prequels and the, the originals are interconnected, and I'm like don't like you're just you're cheapening it and making it feel weird. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it, 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 it is. Uh, I I guess I was a little bit wrong in that my first experience was at the movie theater with uh, the special editions because actually, we had um, I I think my first experience with Star Wars was actually the stories that were put on record player <laughs> that oh, really? my father had purchased. <laughs> yeah, so you would have like stories read to you about um about Star Wars, and it would have the music and sound effects in it and stuff like that. And I think, you know, one of the reasons I love the first one so much is just the imagery is so beautiful in the movie sometimes. And you have that amazing score from John Williams to back it up that everything feels so special when you watch it. The music is exceptional. Like John Williams, it's not my favorite John Williams score, but obviously it's it's great and it's beloved for many reasons. Um there's so many little motifs that are just kind of instantly recognizable and mm-hmm. feel iconic because it really does feel like just this kind of like you know this old magnum opus from someone and this is obviously like he's got decades and decades and decades left in his career at this point yeah but um it, it, yeah like there's so many little bits and you know everyone remembers the main theme playing as his looks looking out at the two sons and you know all those little beats yeah. and extraordinary bobs <laughs> so good um <laughs> <laughs> you know the locations are good you know the the sets all those things kind of add up uh to just giving it this this loop. you know i was talking about how it felt tactile earlier one of the things that i like in my science fiction is for things to feel used and grimy and like a world that's lived in not everything's brand new and uh, sure the ultra like sheen like apple made this like look can work in a certain context but it wouldn't work in this because this is like maybe a world full of a mixed mixture of people. This is meant to be mm-hmm. the outlaws and the independent worlds that are kind of like living under a regime yeah. that they're not happy with, you know. So everyone feels kind of scrappy. Yeah, should feel scrappy. Things yeah. should feel dirty and things should feel um, junkyard. <laughs> junkyard, yes, yes. Uh, that that is absolutely uh, how things should feel. Um, I, I'm always down for that in my sci-fi, but totally. Um, yeah, and obviously, you know, we should talk a little bit about the, some of the, the, you know, some of what the film's, like, about, or, like, some of the inspirations for the film. Um, there's a few different things here. Obviously, people bring up old movie serials, there's, like, adventure Flash gordon type things in here at, at certain points. Um, Hidden Fortress by Akira Kurosawa is an inspiration, which is a film where, two kind of like goofy characters who are not the hero they're not you know there's like there's eventually a good like proper samurai in the film but these two are cowards who are just kind of bickering and that's actually what inspired r2d2 and c3po uh is that you start the movie following these two kind of side characters who are they're not going to accomplish anything on their own uh they're going to encounter everyone else so that's what that's inspired by and then the more serious side of things um is the the vietnam war and that what? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Um, Lucas is on the record talking about this. Um, like, the good characters in the film represent the Viet Cong, and the Empire represents America. You know, he, he's he's made it very clear that he, he sees... Why did he make them all British, then? <laughs> and put them in Nazi uniforms? <laughs> well, because there's a mixture of different things, but... And also, if he made it too obvious, the censors might have had a problem with it, you know? <laughs> like, people mm-hmm. might have kicked up a fuss. But... 
the point of it is is that you've got these scrappy people who are fighting against this larger empire who are taking control against yeah. and no one wants it they got all the weapons so he's making it very clear that he sees america as the villains in the vietnam war that's kind of the point he's making obviously yes a lot of the imagery is very nazi it's very you know ss and all that stuff there's definitely and that's because no one's going to complain about that everyone's going i mean you get the odd weirdo but most people would not complain that that's been used to represent the villains mm-hmm. um Obviously, the idea that he sees America in recent history as doing something wrong is maybe a, a little more difficult for a mass audience to swallow. Well, in America, anyway. The rest of the world would have a problem with it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, and I think when you watch the film through that lens and you kind of look for those little those little hints and sort of like understand it, you, you can kind of see it in there. You can see all these little little bits. But it's definitely like a... You know, there's a lot of things that go into Star Wars. It's... A lot, a lot of uh, different influences and ideas, but that yeah, seems the hero's journey, right? That's what everyone talks about too. Yeah, and, and you know, you, there's like other themes in there. There's, there's themes of uh, you know generational divides. You know, looks. Obviously, there's a lot of talk of his father. Um, which, to be fair, most of the things that are said in this movie, and yes, I'm just going to assume everyone knows who Luke's father is <laughs> before I continue. Um, you know, all all of Obi-Wan's reactions to things he says about his father, or the way mm-hmm. Obi-Wan says things, they mostly actually feel like, oh, I th- it seems like Lucas knew. Like, the, the thing that doesn't add up, the thing that does not feel like it was planned, is every reaction Luke has to Leia in this movie is like, feels like, yeah, that wasn't planned to be siblings at this point. No, I don't think so either. <laughs> see, see when she kisses him on the cheek, like before he gets on the the uh, the X wing later in the film, he just has this little moment of like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> she girl does it kissed also me. when he's uh, when they're about to swing across in the, you know, in the mm. whatever the Death Star. <laughs> like, are they on the Death Star or are they on like one of the big ships? Not Death Star. There's Death Star. Yeah, they don't go any big big uh, Empire ships in this one. Well, they do in the beginning. Um, they're shooting after Leia's ship. It's like a cruiser or something? Oh, no, no, no. Cruiser? No, no, but I, no, what I mean is we don't see our main characters. They never go on to one of the Empire's ships. In this. Yeah, I just had to think for a moment if that's where they went or not. Yeah. Because even at the start, I mean, we might see, like, the like Vader or the General hanging around in one, but uh, even at the start, it's, it's Vader and the Stormtroopers coming on to the Rebel ship. Uh, mm-hmm. So... Yeah, we just see it at first shooting at the at the ship. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, we see that. Yeah, we see it firing. It's the very it's the very first thing yeah, we see. Yeah, it's very first thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we don't really spend any time on one of them, and we don't really spend that much time on one. Even in like the next, like I feel like you don't spend a lot of time in one of those in the trilogy. Maybe there's definitely more of it in the, the next two, but I don't think there's a ton of it. Hmm. Well, I don't know. We'll have to find yeah, out. We'll find out. And we'll then find we'll out. finish with uh, Spaceballs. Finally. Uh, we <laughs> That's the real point of doing this, is that we can get to Spaceballs one day. I assume you want to do Spaceballs after Jedi, before we go on mm-hmm. a... Yes. That makes sense. Yeah, okay. Put it in the timeline. Yeah. All right. <laughs> it's just part of the franchise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so... I mentioned Mark Hamill. I, I praised him because uh, I think Luke could have. I think Luke could have, you know, felt a bit whiny had it not been for his portrayal. Um, obviously, the chemistry as with us is good. Uh, Harrison Ford, 
he's the one that feels like we don't have to praise him because he, he's already Harrison Ford by this point. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he very quickly became a movie star. Yeah. Um, after Star Wars. Well, that's true. He wasn't like a super movie star yet, but he, I, I mean, out of the three of them, he's the one that went on to become a movie star, right? Ca- oh. Carrie Fisher obviously had a lot of jobs in Hollywood and had a lot of roles. Uh, Mark Hamill's had a great voice career, you know, voice work career and all that. But mm-hmm. Harrison Ford, like, he he went on he's, to be Indiana Jones. Movie, yeah. You know, he, he went on to star in, you know, decades of he's movies. another <laughs> Indiana Jones is coming out, I think, next year, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he always seems happier talking about Indiana Jones than he does Star Wars. Star Wars is like this, like, like shop about Star Wars. I don't want to talk about it. F off. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, he seemed to come around on his curmudgeonness in the last decade. No, he seemed to come around on it when he was getting a fat paycheck for, do- <laughs> for doing Force Awakens. Sure. I, I don't know how much he likes talking about it in the last couple of years. I think he's maybe went back into hibernation when it comes to Star Wars. <laughs> maybe. I came back for your one scene. Now F off. But I mean, he was the, uh, I, I think he was just a standout for a lot of people from this movie, right? Like he was the, the character everybody wanted to make a solo film, no pun intended, afterwards about like, if we, if we have like a, a, a scrappy pilot in space for any movie after, it seems like they're trying to channel Han Solo for it. I think it's a mixture of things. I think one is because Harrison Ford's arguably the best actor of the three, or at least he's the most movie star of the three is maybe a better way to put it. I think sure. the other thing with him is that he's the character who isn't interested in all the bollocks that's in the film and as a result comes across as more cool. But then he also has the rewarding arc of believing in something a bit more by the end. Whereas, you know, mm-hmm. Luke from the start, he's like, oh, I believe in the rebellion. I want to go and work for the rebellion. You know, and then he goes and watches the rebellion. <laughs> like so, he's a bit more straightforward. Uh, and and Leia obviously is very witty and she's very likable because she's like very quick to like snap back at Tan and make fun she's of. Not Luke. your typical princess. Yeah, you know, yeah. she's she's grabbing the blaster and like coming up with ideas and so on. Uh, but again, she's very much like fabricated into the plot, uh, like, uh, the main driving force of the movie. Um, Han Solo is like the guy who's too cool for the plot. But ultimately, mm-hmm. he'll throw them a bone and get involved by the end. Yeah, right? you're right. So. Hey, I thought you said no spoilers. <laughs> I mean, really? Come on. <laughs> Look what? It's Star Wars. Everyone's seen you Star Wars. You made the rule, not me. Uh, I haven't said any specifics, okay? I haven't said any specifics. <laughs> you, you, know, you don't know how he gets involved. Maybe, That's true. Maybe he calls the space police or something to help out. I don't know. Well, that makes no Isn't sense. That's just the Empire. That is the Empire, yeah, which is why that made no sense. But get uh, outside of them, cast-wise, uh, you you have Alec Guinness as Obi Wan Kenobi. Uh, so they've got a veteran, you know, in to like give it some gravitas. Mm-hmm. You know, which I, I think uh, does add, give it a little bit of weight. Obviously, you also have the voice of James Earl Jones as Darth Vader. Um, which is probably the weirdest thing about watching the prequels. You're you're watching, like, young Anakin and going, you're supposed to sell it James Earl Jones later on. How does that happen? <laughs> yeah. Well, he's just a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, actually, that's the perfect example. I mean, I, I know, obviously, he's going down the dark side and all that because he's going to be Darth Vader, but, um, like, he does come across as whitey. This, 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 <laughs> this is, like, the, without the Mark Hamill... <laughs> Example, Hayden Christensen 
Just be like, mm, I really like Padme. <laughs> uh, also, let's, let's see, let's, uh, not the only veteran uh, I like this. We got Peter Cushing in a small role in this. That's right. Just there to lend his, uh, his gravitas mm-hmm. to, to things. He, um, Van Helsing? Peter Cushing? He is, yes. And the Hammer <laughs> Hammer movies. Uh, he's also Victor Frankenstein, and I'm sure he's in the Mummy movie that Hammer made as well. <laughs> I don't know if he was the Mummy or if he was just one of the human characters. But regardless, well, as we said, the movie starts with uh, spoilers, just in case it wasn't obvious. But uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it starts off with the chase. We got obviously had the text crawl, then the chase, um, and. You know, it's very simple visuals, you know, you, like, you've got the small ship on the run from the giant empire ship, so it, it makes it very clear who's more powerful in, in the moment. You know, it, Putting up a fight, though. Yeah. But, you know, but it's, it's telling you a lot as the audience. It's telling you what kind of story this is already. Like, you already get a sense of the power dynamic between the two sides. Um, so... I think also the, the opening crawl with the music playing <laughs> puts you in that as well. As soon as that, you know... That that big sound comes in from the from the first shot of Star Wars in the title, and it's like okay, we're getting ready for an adventure. Oh yeah, the music gets you in the mood, but the, the point I'm trying to make though is that just the, the opening this shot. This is like a David Goliath thing, yeah. The opening shot, like you don't need the opening crawl. Like the opening crawl makes it easier to understand some broad things as the movie starts to play out. But that opening shot, you understand this chase to some extent already. Mm-hmm. Like you know, before a, a single word has been uttered. Uh, like it's 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 effective filmmaking, and it's partly why I also think this is one of the it's the best Star Wars movies because I actually think a lot of the little techniques in the filmmaking are better. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know, you know, I've not even mentioned it yet, but you know, the the, the stories the stories would have you believe that like this movie was kind of a mess uh, when it went to post production, and it was effectively saved in editing by. I don't even know who, but like, you know, there's either one person or a group of people are kind of credited with saving Star Wars. I think Spielberg's one of them. Yeah. And which is, is interesting from a film history point of view, because it's like, oh, well, if you can take something that appeared to be a mess and turn it into this, that became one of the most successful things of all time. That's what producers keep trying to do, right? With modern films. Yeah. Don't worry, we'll fix it in post. Yeah, that doesn't it doesn't normally work out as the, the crazy <laughs> thing though. Um Right. But the yeah, anyway, so we get interested in Darth Vader. We get interested in Leah. We see stormtroopers for the first time. Uh you know, R2 and C3PO are sent off in their mission. Well, I, I said both of them. R2D2 is sent off in the mission. C3PO is just kind of tagging along and whining <laughs> about it the whole time. I have so much respect for um is it Anthony Daniels <laughs> for having to be in that suit on the desert and uh, just walking around these sets with explosions going off and stuff like that? I bet. I mean, he must have had it the worst. Although there is somebody else inside of R two D two as well. Yeah, I feel like both of them probably were very hot a lot of the yeah. time. I, I imagine at the very least, like the the top R two D two came off and like the mask of C three P O came off like between takes, just so they could mm-hmm. breathe and hydrate <laughs> yeah although that said they'll go to the bathroom may have been a problem maybe, maybe, maybe they didn't want to hydrate too it's much it's a two-man job for sure <laughs> um yeah it's it, you know because because they, they like you know they leave they'll, they'll land on the desert and you know it turns out to be tatooine and like that this is where our movie kind of properly starts and 
they encounter the the Jawas. They get sold to Luke and more specifically Luke's uncle, um, Uncle Owen, not Uncle Ben, as I mistakenly called him when I was doing the comics podcast earlier. Uh, <laughs> Spider Man, obviously, but also there's a Ben in this. So I mean, my, you know, my, my head conflated <laughs> things. Uh, Obi Wan Kenobi. But this is this is where you get a lot of the early character stuff. Uh, you get a sense that Luke wants to go off and join his friends who have all left to go be a part of the rebellion. He just wants to join the military and get out of his small town. Get out of the farming life. Yeah, he's not a farmer, though. He's, he's, he's someone who wants to go off and be adventurous. Um, Got big dreams. Yeah. But for whatever reason, and this is actually one of the things that I think links up with where the movies go, is... The way Owen doesn't want to bring up his father and doesn't want them to... There's an actual line of dialogue here where the aunt says there's a lot of his father around him and he goes, yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. Like, I was like, oh, that's, that's that actually... That works well in retrospect, yeah. Yeah, that feel, that, it certainly feels like he knew that he was going to make Darth Vader his father. I mean... <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know if uh, it's confirmed that he did or didn't know that when he made the first Star Wars... But it well, certainly feels I mean, like it. It, I mean, it also sounds like he could have just been saying that uh, in relation to Luke's father just being somebody who was a fighter and a, a pilot and um, was just anxious to leave and start an adventure of his own, you know? I mean, he could have. That got him killed. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it works. Like, you know, it, it works, yeah. It works both ways, so. Yeah. So it's one of the few times in the movie where I'm like, oh, I feel like that feels intentional. It feels like that's actually clicking with uh, what, what happens in the next one. But uh, obviously he uncovers the recording from Princess Leia. Um, he doesn't see the whole thing, though, because it'll only play for Obi-Wan. So they have to go looking for him. Um, and he doesn't even agree to do that, actually. R2-D2 just pisses off on his own. <laughs> so they have, they have to go look for him. Uh, which gets them into trouble. They almost get kidnapped and Obi-Wan has to come out and save the day. I love everything on Tatooine. I think Tatooine is the best planet. That's why they keep using desert planets and keep going back to Tatooine. But I think the sets are so great. I think all the, the alien designs of like the Jawas and um, even like their their whatever big tank thing that they use to carry around all their droids for sale, I think is such a cool design. It looks great with the model work. Um, yeah, everything looks really great. Did he invent the industrial light and magic for this movie? Oh, I don't, I can't remember. I heard there's like a history of ILM, um, show on Disney Plus right now that everybody's saying is just terrific. Uh, it would not surprise me if this is where it kind of like became a thing. Mm -hmm. And I mean, because model work, even the opening shot with the two, you know, the two ships firing at each other it looks so good over the matte painting of uh, of Tatooine in the background. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the it's, it's what makes the CG that's been added in later stick out so badly. Like I think yeah, at one totally. point later on when they're flying towards the Death Star, they go past a CG planet, and it's like that sticks out like a sore thumb. Like, it just looks so different to everything else, yeah. uh, and it's way it uglier. Yeah, it's way uglier as well because it's just because CG from '97 looks kind of blurry. It has this blurry quality to it as well. So yeah. it doesn't feel as sharp as everything else either, because everything else has been you know remastered and is, is pristine looking now. But this CG looks like it was crapped out in a, you know, <laughs> well, 
1997 computer. Like uh, like an afterthought too. Like it wasn't meant to be there. Yeah, it, it looks like yeah. Like, oh, that's an unfinished effect. They're meant to go back in and you know touch that up later. <laughs> yes, they're meant to go back in and remove it for us. So, yeah, like does Tatooine has a lot of the iconic locations. I mean, my favorite stuff is mostly on the Death Star, I would say, because that's where all the characters are together. That's where they're all interacting and bouncing off of each other. Um, I, I do like a lot of this stuff in Tatooine. I, li I like the build-up and kind of the mood uh, that's c kind of evoked as we're learning about this character look and, you know, what he wants in the world and all that stuff. Um, and obviously you set up this idea that there's some guilt for him because, you know, while he's away with Obi-Wan, it turns out that the Empire looking for these droids have actually massacred everyone back at his home. Um, which is ultimately why he agrees to go with Obi-Wan, because he's got nothing... He's got no reason to stay around now. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's, it's this element of guilt that he... He does get over his uh, his uh, guardians being burnt to death pretty quickly. <laughs> he, he does, he does. But like he, he, he has this guilt because... Um, he feels that he should have been there to help fight, or he, that he could have... And he couldn't have, you know, Obi-Wan points out, like, you'd just be dead too. Like, mm -hmm. you, nothing would have been solved if, if you had been there. Uh, so and I, if, I do like that we get to see their burnt skeletons in the in the shot, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's pretty grim. Uh, R2-D2 inadvertently, effectively saved Luke's life uh, mm -hmm. by racing by off. Right away. Yeah. Uh, maybe you could argue that's the force at work or some bollocks, <laughs> if you want to. <laughs> what uh, do you think of the cuteness? <laughs> the, uh, do you know what? It's, it's the way... Um, so before this bit, when they're just talking and Obi-Wan's like saying, oh, your father was a Jedi and blah, blah, blah. Um, and he's like, hey, I'm going to give you something, but your uncle would never have allowed it. I was like, so why are you giving it to him now exactly? What, what about this particular encounter with Luke? Is, is Come on, Luke's like, what, 17 or something in this? Is provoking you to break the, the rules that his uncle's set upon him. Hmm? <laughs> I think it's because he's getting the message from the droid. I mean, we know from the prequels that he does know R2-D2. Uh, C-3PO. Yes. That's one of those things that doesn't line up very well with the prequels. It does not. Yeah. It actually angers me. Because <laughs> he, obviously he doesn't recognize them at all here in this movie. And then, yeah. You know. It seems like George Lucas forgot to watch his first trilogy before <laughs> he wrote the second trilogy. It's very annoying. Um, yep, yeah, that is definitely an issue. Um, which is, you know. Typically, if I'm, if I'm ever going to watch Star Wars, though, it's always ever going to be the first three, and I'm not going to watch the rest of them. So, those are those are weird. It's weird to call them fan fiction because it's George Lucas who made them, but <laughs> they still feel like fan fiction somehow. Which is there are a couple good things about them, but yeah, but that's, 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 they, they don't hold a candle. But that's that's the the, the, the dipping quality is mammoth. It is like oh, yeah. absurd. That the person who directed this movie, although again, created this. Again, there's a lot of reasons why there should be a different quality. Um, a couple of different things. One, no one in the prequels probably felt that they could say no to him because he's the guy who made Star Wars. He created Star Wars. I feel like this movie, uh, the original Star Wars, uh, like we said, is saved in editing. But e even just the idea that there was probably a lot of trial and error. There was probably a lot of people inputting and like sort of getting things to work. A lot of the things might look the way they do because that's what worked when they tried different things because they were trying to get the miniatures to look good or the effects to look mm -hmm. good. I feel like so much of Star Wars 
is a product of okay we have to actually be collaborative and work to a point where this actually comes out as something i think the prequels he's completely in charge no one can say no to him and he's just got this vision in his head and unfortunately for us he's exactly the sort of guy if you give him too much power like you know people need to challenge him (laughs) yeah basically what i'm saying um and whether that's through hubris or it's just like a natural thing that's happened because no one is challenging him uh you know doesn't i don't know it doesn't really matter on the grand scheme of things but that's the we got what we got yes but um yeah so it's not too far after this though we end up at uh mos eisley and we end, end up in the bar and uh the introductions of han and chewie uh some of the the various characters there's a couple of guys a couple of aliens trying to pick a fight with luke for no reason which gives us the first lightsaber like obviously we saw the handle earlier but this is the first time we see it actually yeah you know, erect slice off an arm <laughs> yes which i guess the point is to sell you what sort of place this is like that everyone just kind of like oh okay i'll just make my own business <laughs> there's an arm being severed but that's okay i'll just not look at it yeah so we'll turn the music back on <laughs> yeah for, for I me love the um i love the the walking into most eisley and it's just a bunch of halloween store costumes all put together to be aliens there's just a giant fly uh, uh, there's a guy who looks like a devil <laughs> yeah i guess they, they, they wanted to make it all very diverse like there's like so many different species of alien that exist in this world mm-hmm. um you know yeah maybe they go too far maybe there's just too many um one of the the things i like about certain other sci-fi babylon 5 comes to mind where you know there's an established like core four or five races so when you've got a group scene in like a bar or something like that you'll see like a few of the the kinds you know so there's yeah there'll be a few centauri a few narn a few whatever whereas here it's like there's one of like 50 different (laughs) i don't know i like how big this feels you know it does feel like a different universe where everybody just has space travel or yeah babylon 5 still feels a bit smaller because we only recognize you know a handful of races um i don't i don't necessarily agree that star wars feels bigger in fact although it's not because of the like the amount of races you see though i I think star wars feels small because every time they make a star wars story they have to connect it to like the same like you know lineage of characters so like, I think that's a I think that's a completely different point, though. It kind of is, but I think Star Wars feels very small because it it refuses to kind of leave that. So where are we? Where was Eisley? Uh, Han gets introduced. Uh, he, you know, he he gets accounted. Was is it Greedo who comes for him? Uh, for the <laughs> yeah, Greedo is uh trying to trying to get his money for Jabba. Yes, uh, which obviously is brought back up again in uh, the the next films, but and that's that's the thing. Like when you actually look at that added in Jabba scene, it does feel so unnecessary because this scene with Greedo like tells you everything you need to know. <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh, plus, uh, Jabba feels so much smaller, like in in this one also. Mm-hmm. Like I know he's CGI and he's meant to be the size of. A man so that the eye line is right with uh with han solo but like he just seems so like a, like a smaller version of him 
and he seems so mobile. Like, why wasn't he so mobile in the in Return of the Jedi then? Because their big practical effect couldn't move at all. Like, you know, they could yeah. animate his face but, and move. But they made it look like a giant slug man who's, or just a giant slug, really, you know, that can't really move very fast and... Uh, is that's why he like can't escape from from Leia even in that movie because he's just he's just too big in this and in this movie in order for him to be there he's got to like maneuver around and uh, uh, be able to go through corridors and um, even the fact that he like left his palace to go find Han Solo is ridiculous like why would he ever leave that place he's got he's got goons yeah so it all just comes back to none of this actually lines up with what Jabba looks and acts like in Jedi Museum. Yeah. Get it out of there. But this is only here because they felt, oh, we can do this. We can do this with CG, which now feels incredibly dated, but at the time, I'm sure I feel like cutting, <laughs> cutting edge. State of the art. Yeah. <laughs> but I like, uh, I, I really like the introduction of Han Solo in the film because he does feel, you know, we don't really know exactly his character right away because he's um he's in Mos Eisley, Mos Eisley he's in the you know the club of scum and villainy so like uh you know he's an attractive man so like we want to like him but um we don't know exactly he, he, the, everything he's boasting about um we don't know if it's true or not and then immediately when we get to know his character almost immediately at once we see the millennium falcon and everybody reacting to it and trying to see it in action we we get that oh he's just full of hot air he's not really uh he's not really a threat yeah i mean there's kind of an element of like okay maybe he has some skill but like everyone's not impressed with a ship uh people aren't impressed with some of the things <laughs> you know he he comes across as uh yeah, like someone who's who thinks he's a bigger deal than he actually is, mm-hmm. and you know that's because he's like, you ever heard of the Millennium Falcon? As, <laughs> as if it's something, you know, famous or something to behold. Um, so uh, yeah, like all of that stuff uh, and the introduction of him. Um, you know, because the movie really gets going when they have to like run onto the ship and flee because the you know the some someone's ratted them out and there's stormtroopers coming, so they fly off. Um, this is where the movie really kind of fully gets going, because this is around the same time where uh, Vader is, like, you know, he's done his choking scene at this point to show that he can do that with the guy who's, like, making fun of the Force. And mm-hmm. uh, I almost forget that they've got, like, a, a torture ball thing that comes in to, like, yeah. torture Leia. You don't see it, obviously, like, happening, but, like, it's just like, oh, what's, what's this? Oh. It's got a syringe attached to it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you could dodge that quite easily, but, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they'll maybe they'll hold it down. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Maybe it's got, like, a little mini tractor beam or something to yeah. keep you in place. Uh, but, you know, you've got all this going on. Um, you got Luke doing his little training on the, on the Falcon with his, his mm-hmm. blindfold and his lightsaber. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember, I don't think it's, I think it's been fixed now with the multiple edits that the film has had mm. where like Luke um, is holding the lightsaber and then the, turns the lightsaber off and he's in the same position, but he moves over like three inches and it's just enough to, to like see the cut where it's really obvious where it happened. Um, but I think that's been fixed now. That used to be like the, the biggest one that would throw me off mm. when watching the movie. Yeah, and obviously the big thing around this part of the film is uh, they use the Death Star to 
destroy Alderaan, which is Leia's home planet. Uh, they yeah. just she gets over it about as fast as uh, Luke Skywalker and his <laughs> guardians <laughs> getting burnt to a crisp, <laughs> getting burnt down to the skeleton. <laughs> that seems very difficult to do. I mean, it's a it's a, it's a relatively late adventure movie. I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. Um, I don't really have a problem with that per se. Um, I do like that in the scene though that they they basically make her tell him something, and it turns out she lied. She's actually still lying about where her, where the rebel base is, but uh, they still they just blow up her planet anyway because we're evil, <laughs> basically. And it happens so fast too. It's not like a. You know, it's got to it's got to charge for like twenty minutes or anything. <laughs> well, there's a great shot actually, just as the beam is going out, where you see like, there's like an internal shot of like the beam going past like a guy, and he kind of mm. like like you know has to like lean back to like, oh I better not let that hit me. He's like yeah, because it blows up a goddamn planet. I'm pretty sure you'll just be melted into like atoms if it touches you. Yeah. I want, he must have pulled a short straw to get that job. <laughs> but also, it's like the same scene where you realize there's no railings in uh, in the Death Star at all. Very dangerous. Yes. Well, I, I was going to crack a joke and say they don't need railings, they've got the Force. But then, no one, they don't really have the Force because Darth Vader believes in the Force, but everyone else doesn't think it's real. Or, you know, even when, uh, you know, what's his face? Peter Cushing, uh, Tarkin's, like, because he, he, he admits that it's real, and he talks mm-hmm. to Vader about it, but even he's like, oh, you're the last of, like, anyone who believes in that or can use that. Everyone else has left that behind. Um, which is, you know, and this is a good time for me to bring up, like, this is how I prefer th- this to be, is I think the idea of the Force and the Jedi are far more interesting when it's something that, yeah, that is long done, and it's just, like, tapping into this old idea. Because mm-hmm. I think it's more it mysterious. Like a, it feels like a legend. It feels like yeah. a legend. It feels more... Um, like a big deal that they're doing it but it also feels like thematically you can sort of like read them some things from it this idea of the empire like stamped people down they they like made life the way it is for everyone and the idea that like they've tried to like erase everything like in the same way that like, the nazis tried to erase you know they did burn books and they'd um try to erase like entire like groups of people um, but the idea that even with their efforts to do that, there's still some remnants, and someone so- at some point is going to like tap back into it. There's this kind of like a a very uh, inspirational side to it, if you want to think of it that way, of someone tapping back into the old ideas to like say, no, you didn't get rid of this. This is always going to be around to come and haunt you. Uh, yeah, it's bigger than you. So, like, there is some nice ideas, and so. Yeah, so I, I I was never a fan of going back and seeing like just like a bunch of Jedi sitting around the table and you know it being all very bureaucratic and all that. I think, I think there is something very uh v- very um I don't know engaging about that trying like trying to see what it was like in its heyday, you know, see what um this universe was like in its heyday when there were Jedi's everywhere, when everyone believed in the Force. Yeah, it turns out it was really boring and dull and completely robs it of any of the, the gravitas that it had before. Um, no, I like sometimes some, some backstory that's there to just tease your imagination should just be left at that and that's okay. Um, I think they're just trying to show you that fascism grew out of a, you know, a democracy. So, yeah, you're not safe just because you're in a democracy now. 
well that's a noble idea but the movies are shit <laughs> so like it, it doesn't doesn't matter <laughs> like, is it, the, the noble intentions are great and all but it doesn't really change well, anything it's not that movie anyway so we'll just we'll just stick to this film i i was just trying to compliment this film because the way it uses and doesn't just over explain all this stuff and just teases this history of what what the jedi once were and maybe they can maybe Luke can sort of embody that again is mm-hmm. far more exciting and interesting to me than anything that we of seeing that in general and this is a weird case because because they did make prequels and I got to see what they did with it by just showing what it was like like I can actually compare <laughs> what, what it's like to just see it and this and maybe there's a version of prequels that could have like lived up to like what, what your imagination was from from seeing the teases and the way they talk about it in these movies but um you know we didn't you know so in this movie uh the way this stuff comes up um the way that when they first get to the death star and the tractor beam pulls them on and darth vader's like i've sensed something that i've not felt in a long time and it's teasing this history with obi-wan um and you find out by the time they fight and obi-wan dies that Yes, uh, Obi-Wan was his teacher at one point, right? That that is revealed here. Um, and that makes you sort of think, oh, like, okay, what's the, what's the, what's the story here? Um, clearly a lot of people thought that because they ended up making terrible movies about it. But um, it works in this movie. It, it works to stoke your imagination, especially since mm-hmm. Obi-Wan's not come clean about a lot of this. He's been very... You know, he talks about the Jedi, he talks about Luke's father, but he's very he's very careful about what he actually says. He's very careful about how much he actually reveals sure. about yeah. any of this. So, um, but I, I, I appreciate, um, you know, I appreciate that Han doesn't give a shit about any of this. He kind of rolls his eyes at it. He doesn't really believe in any of it. Um, it builds a world where you've got all this cynicism even from people like Tarkin who know it's real, like, he knows it's real because he sees Darth Vader use it, but yeah. he has no interest in actually tapping into it. He's got no interest in learning to use it himself. He's got no interest in, like, sort of acknowledging it other than, oh, it's a tool that Vader uses and that's it. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know, it's the ways of the... It's almost like it's a world that's tried to make sure that the regular people can't have any form of power. And the Force represents something that could give them power, so therefore they've made sure that no one really knows or believes in it anymore. Um, yeah, because it really... It, it's not that long before, uh, you know, it's... However old Luke and Leia are is when The Last Jedi was around. So it's not like it should be ancient history at this point. It's just that it feels like, yeah, the Empire must have done something to make sure everybody knows that the force is kind of bogus and you can't rely on it and it's not for you. So, because otherwise, like, I mean, anyone who's older should know about it, but nobody talks about it. Yeah. um, Because we know that Luke's father was a Jedi and that, you know, Obi-Wan was a Jedi. Like, it's like, okay, it can't be that long ago because he's still alive. Like, Obi-Wan's still, <laughs> still around. Well, it says, I mean, all the Jedi that execute Order 66 happened when Luke and Leia were born. Well, yeah, but we don't know that in this movie, though. That's that's prequel stuff. I'm talking about oh. just what we know in this movie about the timeline. Okay. Okay, sure. 
Because in this, in this movie, it's very clear, like, we can still build a timeline out of, like, when the Jedi were around, because Obi-Wan was a Jedi, Luke's father was a Jedi, mm-hmm. you know? Like, we can still gauge it just based on this movie. Right. Um, so, yeah, it does feel like they've made a conscious effort to make sure that that's, you know, not a thing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, even when you see, um, you know, uh, Uncle Owen respond and Aunt Bruce respond to the way that he says, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi, um, they kind of look at each other and are like, we can't talk about this. Like, this is not a thing that we can, they're almost afraid to, like, let the truth come out. Yeah, which builds some intrigue for the world, this idea that they have stamped out this. And again, the idea that, you know, connected to the Force, being a Jedi represents power. Uh, in the real world, you might say money is what they're talking about or <laughs> something like that. The Force is what binds us all together. <laughs> money. But, but, you know, that, 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 like, the idea that people are controlled by money, like, you know, the rich are able to control a lot of the population because of the way the system works mm-hmm. um I, I think the idea of the forces you know c- kind of runs parallel to that in a lot of ways or at least in the sense that they are making sure that people don't know they have access to it or you could look at it in like the broad terms of they don't want regular people thinking they have potential that they can rise up and be anything other than what their position and what their class is in life like they want the working class to remain yeah. the working class and, and so on. You so that's are a, a moisture farmer so on that's a dead a, planet. So that's another like way of the, you know, some real world issues being kind of baked into the, the themes and the the story of it. So, so yeah, I'm saying good things. Tara was worried before we started that I was going to just shit on Star Wars this whole time. I'm just, I'm bracing for it. Are you bracing for it? I'm trying to compliment what, what works about the movie. <laughs> And why, it's film, yeah. why it's got layers and why, why it is, you know, as much as it is just a fun adventure movie, it also has more to it than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's, there's things in the time period that are baked in there. There's some stuff that's pretty universal that still applies today. But yeah, generally speaking, like all, all the this, this section of the Death Star, which is, I don't know, an hour into the movie to, you know, there's like a 30 minute chunk sort of in the middle to sort of back half of the film that's probably where all my favorite stuff is because it's where all three of the characters finally get together and they interact with leia and like leia's attitude to being rescued and you know everyone always likes to quote the you looked a bit short for a stormtrooper or whatever but um she kind of goes into like a almost like a a comedian doing stand-up at one point too while she's being rescued (laughs) making fun of like their style yeah, she's making fun of their methods, their style. Um, although, it's worth mentioning, it's her idea to go down the chute into the trash compactor thing, mm-hmm. uh, which almost gets them killed by the <laughs> the monster in there. Um, they would have died if they stayed up there, though. I mean, that, I mean that's also fair. But, uh, like, I'd forgotten that when they actually get out of that, because eventually C-3PO and R2-D2 help them, because um, <laughs> they're next to computers or whatever. Um, I'd forgotten that when we first see them again after they're out of that room, uh, Han has a line where he's like, as long as we don't take any more female advice, we should be fine. Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd forgotten that line. Um, I forgot that uh, George Lucas said famously in an interview that there are no bras in space. <laughs> Until we rewatch this scene. <laughs> oh, I didn't notice. I didn't notice anything. Oh, yeah. I mean, you don't see, like, nips or anything, but there's a very clear 
it's very clear that i mean she's a very busty woman it's very clear that she's not like she has zero support <laughs> yeah uh, so yeah they're running around they're shooting stormtroopers and stormtroopers are missing a lot of shots <laughs> as as is tradition and star which is, wars um, <laughs> which is funny on a rewatch when you uh hear um obi-wan kenobi say that these uh these blast marks are too accurate for uh for was sand sand people or whatever they have to be these are obviously stormtroopers because of their accuracy yeah it's mostly it's kind of like a red shirt thing where mm-hmm. it ha- they have to be bad at this just like red shirts have to be there to be killed like there's just kind yeah. of like a, a necessary trope well it's not necessary it like i'm sure that's what they said uh, obviously better writing and uh, you know in time and people have tried to circumvent these tropes uh have proven you can do it without it but yeah 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 that, that's that's the reason for it <laughs> We can't have them. You know, the movie would end very suddenly if a stormtrooper did get a shot off and like just you know blasted look through the eyeball and oh yeah, I was looked dead. Okay, well I guess uh, I guess the whole thing's kaput. Can't do anything else now. Yeah. The movie was actually about just the one stormtrooper who was very accurate, the sniper trooper. <laughs> um, but yeah, Obi Wan goes off on his own uh, to release the tractor beam that will keep the ship there uh whilst the others try to get leia and unfortunately he runs into darth vader on the way back and they have their vader can sense him he can sense him yeah uh and they have their their duel well i mean vader says that as soon as they arrive he says he senses something that he's not sensed in in years mm-hmm. um and he goes looking for what that feeling is and even at one point says to tarkin obi-wan kenobi's here and he's like obi-wan kenobi like, oh. We haven't heard that name in decades. What's, what, what are you talking about? What are you talking about, Darth? Darth? You've been drinking, Darth? I didn't watch the uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi show. I started it, and I just... Ugh, it was just too bad. <laughs> so I didn't finish it. But I, I I, mean, I know, like, Anakin Skywalker is in the show, so I guess they, they must have had another, like, meetup. That's just something. another... That's just another example of them trying to fit in too much story in between things because they want to make more stuff, but it doesn't actually track with any of the, anything that they say in this movie, where they've not seen each other. In I mean, decades. I don't know. I haven't actually watched the show, or at least finished it. The actual lightsaber fight between Vader and Obi Wan's kind of interesting because I, I, like, I, I part of me thinks it looks a bit stilted. And clearly, like, they didn't really feel confident about like it's almost like when they shot it, they didn't know exactly how the effect was going to turn out with the lightsaber, so they didn't want to like do anything too, you know, extravagant just in Too-big. case. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, though, I hate what the, the the lightsaber fights look like in some of the other movies, where it's just too flashy and there's flips and all sorts of <laughs> shit. So, on one hand, I kind of like that it feels more like an old school kind of like broadsword fight. <laughs> But, yeah, they almost feel like they're heavy or something, the lightsabers. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's not so much that they're heavy, it's it's more like they like they're so dangerous because they can cut through everything that they have to be very careful and like confident with every movement because they don't want mm-hmm. you just like, you know, tripping blah oh, lasered myself. <laughs> like Yeah, I guess they should feel more like a samurai sword in that way. Or yeah, less yeah. like a broadsword. But um Yeah, I mean the fight in retrospect, it's it's a little you know uneventful, um, but it doesn't have to be you know at, at the same time because this is the scene where you know Obi Wan really knows what his fate is going to be in this. Like I think 
I think, well, just to go back to what you said about it being like a samurai, I think that's the way it, sh- it, sh- it feels like it should be played, is that slow pulling out and like sort of the, having the stance and waiting for the first strike to happen. Whereas, you know, the, the other movies are like, oh, everyone's flipping and spinning them, <laughs> like, you know, constantly. I mean, I do think that this should have a little bit more choreography, but maybe not, uh, yeah, definitely not to what they are in the yeah. newer films. But yeah, more choreography in the sense that, yeah, maybe a bit more of a dynamic, like, kind of back and forth, but it feels like one's winning the fight. Where it, it kind of just feels like just going, zzz, 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 mm-hmm. and then... Well, they have a little conversation. Yes. <laughs> um, and then... I think the new trilogy actually has a really nice balance of what what a samurai or not a samurai, but like what a lightsaber fight should look like. I will find out whenever you watch them because you know I've only I've only seen them the once, so I, I don't remember specifically. Uh, but yeah, Luke sees this though. He obviously is heartbroken. They have to run and escape. Um, there's a little bit of a dogfight scene where like they go to the gunner seats and the Millennium Falcon and. Um, it's a bonding moment between it's, Luke and, and uh, Solo. It is, yeah. They, they they have their, you know, he's like, don't get cocky, kid. But he, he's still like, starting to like him when he says that. There's a bit <laughs> of a, a big brother vibe to that sentence yeah. that's starting to yeah, form. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but they fly to wherever the rebel base is. I'm sure Star Wars fans know exactly what planet this is. I, I didn't catch it. <laughs> um, but Yavin 4? But <laughs> that's a Star Wars planet. <laughs> there's a there's a moment here because they obviously they've got the plans for the Death Star now, and there's like a briefing scene where you know this guy who's you know some high up general in the rebellion is explaining to them the plan. It's a room full of pilots, and I could have like see if you'd show me a screenshot of this this scene where it's just the the main shot of it is just like you know like the cameras behind all the audience of the pilots looking mm-hmm. at him making this presentation. I don't think I would have... Looked, I think most scenes of this movie, you show me a screenshot, I'll go, that's Star Wars. I feel like this... I would have been able to know it's Star Wars because of the outfits, because it looks like the pilots in Star Wars, but I could not have told you which one it was. I'd have been like, oh, maybe Jedi? <laughs> like, Oh, yeah? It, there's something about this scene that just looked really... I don't know. Like, I, just, I don't remember this scene of them going through this like this. Um, you don't remember the special effects of the Death Star, where it's just a bunch of lines and stuff? I remember that, but just something about, like, I think it's just a guy giving the speech and then, like, them all sitting in, like, a classroom listening to him. For some reason, mm-hmm. this was, like, not triggering any memories for me. <laughs> <laughs> Weird. Um, but the, the big key thing, though, towards the end here is that, you know, Han's not interested. He, he's, he's been paid for saving the princess. And that's something that, from a character point, has been very consistent throughout the film, mm-hmm. is that even when they're both dressed as stormtroopers and Luke's going to go and find her, uh, and he wants Han to come and help, Hans not want to do it. He's uh, too dangerous. And he's like, you know, she's very rich. She could probably pay you a lot of money. It's like, oh really? You know, like that's what convinces him. It's, he's he's uh, again, he's a scoundrel. You know, he mm-hmm. he wants. Uh, I don't think he. I think he also doesn't really want to take a side to. You know, if he's if he's going to stay with them, then he's going to become a rebel. I don't think he wants that. He doesn't want to be a, he doesn't want to be a part of a team. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I think it's the sort of thing where because deep down he is a good character, you probably find he does side with them ideologically in a lot mm-hmm. of things. Um, I mean, certainly the way he operates, he does not like authority. <laughs> he does not like the Empire. He's, a uh, yeah, he's he's still low. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. Uh, so, you know, obviously there's this kind of thing where he's he's he's, he's going away, Chewie doesn't approve, but he's, he's not going to get involved with the fight. 
But of course, he does show up and save Luke at the last minute, so Luke can take the big shot that destroys the Death Star. Um, and... <laughs> The scene I love with Han before all the fighting begins and stuff is where he's working on the Millennium Falcon with Chewie and he sees Luke before he goes out and he tells him, may the force be with you. And you can just, it is a, a bit of a cringe moment because you're like, because he's saying the line, he knows it's stupid, but he knows it means something to Luke. So he's going to do it for him. And then he turns around and, and Chewie does that like, come on, I can't believe he just said that. <laughs> It's like he could read Chewie's mind, you know? Yeah, it's a good little moment. It's a good little beat. <laughs> uh, I think I really like the Kim community save the day, right? And that's a kind of a big moment. Um, yeah, yeah. Obviously, people love all the dog fighting and stuff with the TIE fighters and whatnot. That's um, a ride, yeah. But I, I do I do think that the movie is, like, once it's done with the Death Star stuff and they get off that, I do feel like this last chunk is maybe it's a bit weaker, I would say, than the rest. Not that it's bad by any means, just that you know it, it's kind of like they're split up again. You know, like you know, Leia's like in the 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 command room, looks in the you know in the pilot seat. You know, Han's kind of missing intentionally so because he's going to come in and make the save at the end. Um, so you have the character split up again, but you also have maybe the most egregious kind of like stuff of the Force in this movie, this first one, which is you know. Obi-Wan talking to Luke and saying, no, don't use the guidance computer. Use the Force. <laughs> Shut your eyes and use the Force. <laughs> the Force will guide him. Yeah. Well, I like this idea because, you know, the Empire is this huge thing. And not only that, they have this, like, evil sorcerer that can choke people with just, like, making a pinchy finger, head-crushing thing from kids in the hall. But, like, there's no... But the the rebels, you know, they don't just feel small, but now they have the beginning of their own, like, sorcerer, you know, of this ancient religion, um, who's guiding them with the Force. This is where the balance thing comes in, you know? You can't have a Sith without um, a Jedi, so, you know, they're gonna, they're about to get their, um, their, their nuclear <laughs> bomb, you know, to be able to fight uh, the big, uh, the big baddies. And Luke Skywalker. Does Obi-Wan ever say Sith in this movie? Is that word ever uttered in this first movie? I don't believe so. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> the less Star Wars lore that's in it, the more I like it. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that comes up when we meet the Emperor. Yeah, who's not also not in this movie. The Emperor's not in yeah. until the second one. Um... What would you, guess, not a, do they even talk about the emperor in this one, or is he just implied because it's an empire that there's an emperor somewhere? Yeah, I don't think they specifically mention an emperor in this. I mean, it's it's a very natural thing to include, and obviously with the second movie, you want to expand things, so you go you see yeah. okay, who's in charge, right? Because it's not Vader's not in charge; he's not the ruler of the empire. You know, he's no. It even seems like he doesn't have authority over Tarkin. Like Tarkin's his own thing. He's not really like. It seems almost like that's his goon, you know? Is that, this is my court wizard. He's going to murder you if you disobey me. <laughs> yeah, obviously Tarkin gives him an order at one point, and he he does obey it, but I kind of <laughs> get the feeling, though, that he's like... Like, Vader at any point, if he thinks Tarkin is not doing what he's supposed to, he could take out Tarkin in an instant. Yeah, and, like, he like, is the right hand of the Emperor still. Yeah. Um, yeah. You'll follow the orders of Tarkin because he's in an official position. Because even the way he said, you know, when he says release him, Vader, he's like, as you wish. Like, there's, there's a tone to it of mm -hmm. like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll accept that order. This one. Yeah. 
but you know <laughs> this time <laughs> you're playing a dangerous game Tarkin uh, I, I, I do actually really like Tarkin the fact that he dies because he's like ah they don't stand a chat because like, someone tries to say hey we've analysed the system sir and there is actually a weakness that they could exploit if they get a good <laughs> shot off and he's like no 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 in our moment of victory which we should also mention there's a, a ticking time bomb to all this because they're they're getting in place to shoot where the rebel base is so Leia and everyone who's down there are all going to die if uh, if they don't pull this off. So, mm-hmm. and of course, Luke's not the, the Luke, Luke is like the fifth person to attempt to actually blow up the Death Star, um, in, which makes sense because why would they give the new rookie who's yeah they, they, we we hear throughout the film that he, he he's a good pilot, but obviously he's not actually went through any academy yet. So so yeah, we need everyone we can get, but obviously he's like a grunt as far as they're concerned. Mm-hmm. But then everyone else who tries either gets killed or misses. So it's like okay, look, this is your chance. You you go. Give it a Hail Mary. Um, and sure enough, he uh, he does it by trusting the Force. And not technology. And not technology. Um, which, yeah, I mean, I suppose we should maybe talk about because I, I think it's not the only, I mean, it's not obviously the most pointed moment in the film where it's kind of saying trusting his instinct instead of technology mm-hmm. saves the day. But there is kind of a vibe throughout where... I mean, the Empire have built this mechanical monolith in the, in the space, this Death Star. Uh, they're all about what weapons they've built. Whereas, you know, Luke and the others, like, and even the Millennium Falcon, while it's a spaceship, it's like, yeah, it's this hunk of junk that Han loves that he's, you know, he's maintaining and keeping going because it means something to him, as opposed mm-hmm. to, oh, keep building the new, bigger and badder weapon kind of thing. Build a small moon <laughs> for a weapon, yeah. Uh, so there's definitely a little bit of that uh, sprinkled throughout the film um, you know even uh, the idea that his uncle Owen like yeah we can replace all the workers with droids but he would rather have some humans there he wants Luke to stick around and looks like yeah but there's droids but Owen doesn't want to just rely on the on the technology he wants mm-hmm. you know a person there yeah there's something said about like trusting your instincts going with your gut flying by the seat of your pants whatever you know like there's there is something about you that's special that can't be replicated by technology yes anytime i trust my gut it leads to badness though so i don't i don't know movies always say trust your gut i don't know (laughs) cold my gut says donuts cold hard (laughs) logic i feel is what's reliable (laughs) well that's what the first like uh four pilots were relying on and they weren't able to you know they weren't able to to get the Death Star. Yeah, so. I mean, I, honestly, like, like I really like this movie. I think it's really great because of its direction, because it does have mm-hmm. themes, because of its characters are really likable, and their interactions are great. It has fun set pieces, lots of great locations. Um, the Force is probably my least favorite thing about the movie. Well, I think it, I think it works well with the whole idea of uh, you know Luke being a farm boy. Um, you know, for people who watch across the across the country or across the world who are stuck in this small place and they want to feel special you know they want to feel like they're uh there's something that they haven't tapped into yet sure sure i just i just don't like the force specifically or at the very least towards the end even when even when you watched it when you were younger yeah it never appealed to me but i'm always someone who's never really been all that into magic stuff and it was kind of magic-y you know it's uh 
<laughs> I mean, I would say I'm not someone who was ever into fantasy until later on when like good fantasy came out. Um, before then, I always thought it was kind of silly. But there was still appeal to like, um, you know, witchcraft or something like that, even though I knew it was bogus. But like, I still like watching that stuff or like pretending to believe it's real for the sake of a good story. I mean, witchcraft I can get into a little bit more because I, I tend to find that the one type of magic that I can kind of get into is when it's more horror skewing because it's kind of this unknown, like, malevolent force <laughs> as mm-hmm. opposed to, you know, a more broad kind of just magic sort of thing. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't hate that. I'm just, you know, I'm just on, on the scope of... on the spectrum of the movie itself, though, as a whole, like... Yeah, if you're asking what my least favorite thing about it, yeah, it's probably the whole use the force and just fire blindly <laughs> moment. I don't know. It, it, it comes across as very movie to me, very like hokey movie thing, you know? Well, uh, yeah, uh, it's setting up that this is, uh, you know, the thing, the payoff for having the religion stay around, though. I mean, would Vader be as intimidating if he didn't have, you know, force jokes? <laughs> yeah I, I i would argue it's not really a religion hmm. because it clearly exists like he's oh. using it <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> you know like I, I think uh like i can see why you would say being a jedi is kind of like a religion and then, you know there's kind of a resemblance to monks the way that the well, jedi it's look also, like the way it's referred to in the movie yeah but like i i would almost argue that it isn't really a religion though because it's like He's straight up using the force to choke someone. <laughs> like, you know, it, it's there. It exists. Like, this is not about belief anymore. Like, it exists. <laughs> um, I know he has to believe in the force to do that, and obviously Luke does as well, and that's why it, it works. Um, mm-hmm. But no, this is just a personal tasting. You're never going to convince me uh, of anything other than how I feel. <laughs> like, it's, just, it's just, you know. Okay. The, the Force is just kind of a lame concept uh, in Star Wars. I think it's kind of essential to Star Wars. <laughs> but it's fine. Mm. Um, I mean, it's used more in other ways in the future movies, like, you know, grabbing the lightsaber and stuff like that, but... Um... Well, yeah, I think, you know, in the first movie, it's just meant to represent like and for, potential and for the record i'm not arguing that it isn't essential to some extent I, I can say something is my least favorite thing about it but understand that it has to be there you can't just simply remove it and it, it still works like it's still a part of what's going on in the grand scheme of things but yeah okay i mean i just don't understand how like uh how the movie could work without some sort of uh, mysticism in it I'm not necessarily saying it could. I'm just, I'm just saying it's my least favorite part. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's the uh... point taken. Any, mm-hmm. Anyway, you know, Death Star blows up. Uh, they I get... enjoy that it blows up in a similar way to how the Death Star blew up Alderaan. One second you're there, next big explosion in space. <laughs> I guess that suggests that the fuel or whatever it is that ignited <laughs> um, was the same type of thing that they're blasting down when they're using their weapon. Yeah. I guess that makes some sense. Um, but yeah, they, they come back down, they're all happy, they get some medals. Uh, the end. It's a great big ceremony, and we get some amazing music. Uh, music's and everybody, pr- everyone's good. happy to see each other, you know? 
even get one little last wink from Han Solo at the princess before we get the credits. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, what's interesting is that Leia smiles at Luke, but never gives Han a proper smile. Uh, no. Now, maybe she's just, like, playing hard to get. Maybe she's trying to, like, deny she to herself. He, yeah, she knows who he is. That's all. She knows his real character. <laughs> or Lucas hadn't decided yet that ultimately they were going to be a thing. <laughs> yeah. That's also possible. I'm just going to throw that out there. Do you think, um, just on a little bit of the point that we we're kind of already making about, like, you know, having a character that has this thing inside him, like this untapped potential or this great big story that he could be a part of is a little bit of, uh, you know, Lucas, George Lucas, uh, he named his main character who's special in this movie, Luke. Uh, maybe he sees himself as someone who's like stuck in a small town, but has his, you know, great big imagination and he feels like he has something to offer and uh, something bigger if he can just, you know, get a chance um maybe he felt that when he was younger it's a bit weird to say that he could feel that now that he's a you know a movie director and he's 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 getting to do it you know this is him mm-hmm. making taking his shot on the death star is making his movie um but yeah maybe yeah maybe this represents how he once upon, felt once upon a time you know when he was younger yeah. um i like to think so i mean if you're going to name your main character luke and your last name is lucas uh, <laughs> Honestly, that thought never occurred to me. No? No. Oh, okay. Not once. I mean, you may be right. You, you, that may be why he's called Luke. I don't know. but I wonder if that was a nickname or something for him. Yeah. Um, they probably made the right choice, though, switching from Starkiller to Skywalker, because Starkiller definitely sounds like a, a villain. <laughs> a villainous it name. It does. <laughs> Uh, yeah, if you haven't heard that <laughs> trivia, you, you know, the original name for him was Luke. Well, I don't know if it was Luke, but it was definitely something Starkiller. <laughs> yeah, it was Starkiller. Uh, Which also comes back in the new trilogy. <laughs> well, which is part of the problem when they keep making new movies is they keep making these slight references. In fact, one that I think is relevant to bring up with the ending of this is in the, the last movie... Like they finally gave Chewie a medal because for fans have been like cracking jokes <laughs> about how Chewie never get a medal. Why didn't Chewie get a medal? And it made me cringe so hard because it's just like a meme. It's like oh, they we're putting this in because people joke about it all the time. Oh, uh, I thought it was kind of sweet. Nah, it, it was so shoehorned. I, I, I like. It was, I was so cynical about Honestly, it. Honestly, like I never thought about it in you know at all when I watched the original film. I never thought, what about Chewie? <laughs> Not, neither did I, but like, it was a thing on the internet. So when it happened in the movie, and, and you know, Rise of Skywalker, it mm-hmm. was... Is that what that movie was called? Rise of Skywalker? It, yeah. Okay. I doubt myself. It was Revenge of Skywalker. Rise of, Rise of the Skies. Uh, yeah, so. I think that's right. I yeah. was that once. That was just one of, the, one of the main things that made me cringe. Uh, it's just this reverence for some stupid detail that... Uh, they want to bask in you know it's, it's, it's the it's the oh we've got a new ghostbusters movie we can't just have her have the proton pack we have to do a hundred shots of every little light turning on because we all love proton packs and we're all we're all good in their directions because there's a proton pack on the screen you know it's that kind of i've got one right now <laughs> so it's that kind of thing uh there's this reverence for the old movies and um but the beauty of watching the original star wars is that the original Star Wars was just a movie on its own and wasn't referring back. It had influences, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But mm-hmm. it's not like 
you went into it and it was like, hey, you guys have seen Hidden Fortress Kurosawa, right? Wink, wink, <laughs> nudge, nudge. You know, it's not that. It's using influences in a healthy way uh, to to make this new thing. Yeah. Um, it feels full. It feels, you know, uh, imagination, like full of imagination. The, the, the whole kind of feel of it, the, the idea of treating a science fiction piece at this time with this level of like care and budget and having all these sets and not looking goofy like an old serial um and i was to say that there wasn't good serious science fiction but keep in mind this is the same year that demon seed came out all right like demon seed was out <laughs> the same year as star wars well logan's run also no i was a year before oh, okay the last of the of the camp and that and that's kind of the that's actually one of the reasons that or one of the things that always comes up with logan's run is that it came out at this really awkward time right before Star Wars, and you can kind of see pre-Star Wars and post-Star Wars by looking at Logan's Run, which was one year before. Obviously, I mean, I'm, I'm joking about Demon Seed. Demon Seed's a completely different type of movie. It doesn't really, you know, it's not relevant to it. It's sci-fi, but yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, not where the that, comparisons that, are. That's a dark, cerebral story about artificial intelligence and impregnation. <laughs> like it's yeah, everyone very should difficult. watch it. It's really good. Oh, it's, it's a really good movie, but it's, it's very, very different. Um... But the idea of treating this with this amount of budget, and obviously everyone thought it was going to be a flop, including George Lucas himself, and then it became this big hit. And I'll reiterate again, I would not have Alien. I would not have, um, you know, Star Trek The Motion Picture, which I like, <laughs> before anyone says it. Yeah, me too. Um, Love it. You know, those are the obvious examples that came right after. Because, I mean, literally, um, if you watch the making of stuff for Alien, they literally say Fox wanted sci-fi scripts because Star Wars was a hit, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, think, I think what's funny about that is that Fox are the ones that released Star Wars. Like, if they were having that attitude, what, what were Universal and Warner Brothers and the, all these other places thinking? They were all wanting that. Paramount was like, oh, screw this Phase 2 Star Trek bollocks. Let's get a movie going. Get 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 Kirk on the, get Shatner on the phone. Hell yeah. <laughs> get those old guys back in the tight suits. Um... So, you know, like the, the, there, there's a, there's an influence and an impact. So even though Star Wars, I really like for a lot of reasons. Even though a lot of its sensibilities don't necessarily appeal to me, its importance and opening the door for a lot of other things is important to me. So it will always get some respect for that reason. Um, but I, I, this first one on its own is very, very good. But. I think my cynicism with Star Wars kind of started before before the new ones came out. It was just kind of the internet, like people on the internet had this like sort of this tendency to have this have it on a pedestal, uh, and then nothing else was as important as Star Wars and as far as nerd things go. And I'm and like, you no, you weren't even a Trekkie either. And I, I, yeah, I hadn't even watched Trek yet, but I'm like, no, I like a bunch of other stuff way more than I like Star Wars. Why is that on this pedestal? And just because something comes, I used to feel that way too. Honestly, yeah. yeah. And just because something comes first and other things wouldn't exist without it doesn't necessarily mean it's the best of those things. It, it, you know, it, like, you know, a lot of things have to walk so other things can run. And I'm not necessarily saying that that's the case here with Star Wars, but, you know, like, who's to say that, um, I don't know, pick, pick any sci-fi movie from the last 30 years that, that you love, that you think is amazing, that you think is big Jurassic and bold. Even if it's not a movie, like let's say, uh, you know, Mass Effect, for example, right? Another sort of space opera, but just in this case, it's a video game. Who's to say if you like uh, Mass Effect more than Star Wars, that uh, you think it's a better, more meaningful story, or at least one that connects to you more? Yeah, I mean, I used to feel that way about Star Wars also. 
especially after the prequels came out and like everybody was super excited about star wars again and, and then the burn. <laughs> I, well yeah i was like yeah i like star wars but it's not like star trek and i was a nerd at a time where you couldn't admit that you liked star trek unless you like you know you knew <laughs> someone else like definitely watched star trek you didn't bring it up you know? <laughs> I, I love how you're describing being a trackie as, as if it's being gay like you have yeah, to make you have sure to hide it. exactly you have to be in the closet until you know someone's okay with it exactly you had to you, you did though like if you wanted friends at all or if you wanted to you know get along with people who were your peers you didn't tell them that you liked star trek you kept that shit hidden <laughs> so and then, but all these people were just so open about their love of Star Wars and like that was okay, but Star Trek, you had to, you know, dance around everything. And I was a little bitter about that, <laughs> for sure. But yeah. eventually I realized, you know, you can love both. It's okay. And it's okay to talk about it if you're a nerd. It's a, it's a weird one to talk about now, I think for me in particular, because I, I do have this kind of like, I'm kind of sick of Star Wars as a brand, and I, you know I don't really want any more Star Wars. But Disney are going to keep pumping out more Star Wars till the end of time. Uh, mm -hmm. But the original trilogy, to varying degrees, and we'll obviously talk about you know uh, Empire and Jedi when we get to those two. Um, this is my favorite of the three, so obviously I'm going to like those less, but the nature of that statement. But they're all to varying degrees good to, or in this case, I would say great. Um. But, you know, I, I, I'm i not someone who wants a ton of more Star Wars. I don't care what the blaster model is that Han Solo has. I don't care what all the ship model numbers are. I don't, like, I don't care about all this other crap. And if you're into that, then great. That's totally fine. Um, but I don't want to be in that conversation. <laughs> Leave me alone. Okay? Thank okay. you very much. Stop trying to be friends with me, damn it. Well, with all that said, I guess, I guess it's time to rate... Uh, the original Star Wars. Okay. Well, I'll it? go first. Yes, you go first. You always go first. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give it a 10. Um, you know, this movie is always on the list of best science fiction of all time, and it, I think it very much deserves to be there. Um, I, I, I never get tired of watching it. I've watched it like a hundred times, and I, I just... I, I love the movie. I love the way it looks. I love all the actors in it. I love the story. I think it's so fun. I think it just does everything right. Even if it was just a series of mistakes that accidentally became a masterpiece, I do see this as a masterpiece. I don't feel quite as passionate about it as that. <laughs> um, you know, I, I will... I mean, hell, you can go back and check when we did our, you know, top 50 sci-fi or top 100 sci-fi, whatever we did. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure I, you know, I don't rank it as high as a lot of other movies. A lot of other movies are more personal to me, but I'm going to give it a nine because I do think it is great. I do think there's a lot of really good things about it. Um, but I don't have it on this pedestal that a lot of people do. Well, I guess that wraps up, uh, the, the first Star Wars discussion. Um, I don't know how that went. That may have been terrible. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just... We talked about it. What was terrible about that? We talked about, I don't know. I just, I, I feel I feel like, I feel like there's going to be a very mixed response to it. Any I talk about Star Wars, there's a, there's a mixed attitude towards it. 
You do look a little bit like you're chewing on lemons sometimes back in Star Wars. <laughs> I'd have happily, taste. I would have happily never talked about Star Wars. <laughs> happily. Uh, you include this on the vote. I feel like we've had it on the vote a couple of times and people were like, finally, it's time for Star Wars. Yeah, because I'm not going to be a dick about it. I'm, I'm going to... I acknowledge that it should be on the to-do list. I'm just, you know... I, I could have happily never done it. <laughs> Look at you now. Well, soon you'll have a reason to watch Spaceballs and it'll be all worth it. You keep hyping up Spaceballs. Like, I'm, I, maybe I'll like it. I, I, I hope I do, but I'm not, I'm not that excited. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Mel Brooks isn't your humor, but... This is the, the Star Wars movie that I had on VHS... When I was mm. a kid, <laughs> with space balls. Okay, okay. Well, um, obviously you can, uh, you know, support all this, this stuff. Um, we have bonus items that uh, you know come out monthly, don't we, Tara? That's right, Peter. If you guys enjoy our reviews, please check out our <laughs> Patreon page. It's Patreon.com/slash/MonthlessTV. Where if you donate as little as three dollars per book, you'll get access to bonus movies that we review. Where we have. Uh, what kind of movies do we have on there? Like B-movies, maybe some sequels to some big-time movies that we'll be tackling over there. We just finished the Tremors sequels, the whole franchise, um, with which there's like seven of them. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And then our new show is called The Ace Meltdown, where we just sort of chat about what other things we've been watching. So if you'd like to get to know us better and see what else we're into... It's over on Meltdown. I try I try to set it up differently to shake it up so that you would not do it in the exact same way as you normally do. That didn't feel like it was a try to set it up differently. That felt like uh, you weren't, <laughs> you forgot how you were supposed to do it. No, 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 because no, people <laughs> tune out when you start doing the spiel. So I'm, I'm trying to get you to shake it up and start talking about the bonus stuff first before you give you them just the want me to details. Make, you just want me to make mistakes because you find that more entertaining. I'm not trying to get you to mess up. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to advertise yeah, the bonus content properly and effectively. Mm -hmm. And yet you still get me to do it. <laughs> Aye, but, you know. This is this is me not looking at the, the computer for help and believing in an absurd, unlikely, but hopeful possibility. No? Are you trying to say that I'm the force? Those, those both good and bad to you, so... Uh, yeah, sure. Whatever. <laughs> um, what are we doing next time? Do we have anything? Why do you ask me that when I don't have the page up? <laughs> I, how am I supposed to know <laughs> that you don't have the page up? Because I never have the page up. <laughs> We're doing a 90s movie, I know that. Yes, yes, we're in the 90s season. Obviously, we, we left 90s for a second to, to come do this. Uh, next movie on the docket is Demolition Man. So we'll be Whoa. here to talk about Demolition Man next episode. So look Big forward one. to that. Uh, of course, make sure you like, subscribe, ding the bell for notifications. You can get us on Twitter, at Streams Midnight. Uh, and of course, you can support us with the super thanks button below the video if Patreon's not your thing. Um, but, uh, yeah... Okay, that's the show. Thank you, you very much. You did it. You did it. Thank you, Thank you very much, guys. <laughs> Keep watching sci-fi. We'll see you next time. And computer, add salsa. <laughs>